we're, right now we're in a series called Defining Faith. And the first week we talked about the object of faith, right? What is the object of our faith? God. Faith is not the object of our faith. George Michaels is not the object of our faith. You know, you've got to have faith. Uh, we're not the object of our faith. Our desires aren't even the object of our faith. Our faith has to be grounded in Jehovah God. Amen? Uh, last week we talked about the odyssey of faith. And you know what? The odyssey is not just a trip, not just a journey. It's, a, it's kind of a crazy journey, you know? Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, we get the odyssey from the old Greek stories and stuff. And those, those sailors, man, they went through storms and, and, and crazy wild women that could sing awesome and all that stuff. I mean, if you don't know, just go read it. But, but it was a, an odyssey is a journey that has trials and troubles, good days and bad days. Amen? And so faith is an odyssey. It's a journey with God, but you're partnering with God who is the object of your faith. And today I want to talk about the obedience of faith. The obedience and I will tell you this, when you leave here today, I want you to understand that where true obedience comes from, because if you don't, you'll set yourself up for failure. You'll find yourself with the same attitudes and the same affections that the children of Israel did in the Old Testament, the same thing that God was trying to convey to them, this is not the way I want to relate with you. This is not the way I want to have fellowship with you. This is not the way that you're going to be successful. And so I know you're in Romans 16, but I just I want to read something to you. Uh, Hebrews 11:8 says this: "By faith, Abraham obeyed." It says, "When he was called to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance." But listen, listen to this, excuse me, it says, "And he went out, not knowing where he was going." How many of you know exactly where you're going? How many of you know God has called you to do something, but you don't know exactly all the details? Man, this, this is a play-by-play -play odyssey in which we continuously trust God day by day. Okay, God, where are we going today? And even when we think we have God figured out, such as we're going to build over here, God says, no, you're going to build over here. You're like, okay. Because we had convinced ourselves that that was going to be a difficult, long, arduous way, and we, honestly, we just weren't willing to deal with it. But God said, no, we're going to do this through, 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 through a you know, happening of events, and they're like, okay, God. And so, and so you, have to, you have to be flexible, right? Semper Gumby, always flexible, right? That's what we used to say in the Marine Corps all the time. The, 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 the motto of the Marine Corps is Semper Fidelis. It means always faithful. Always faithful. If you're, if you're, a, you know, if, if, if you're in a bar fight, you're faithful to defend your friends, right? You're faithful. Don't chicken out. If you're in a... If you're in a firefight, you know, don't chicken out. Always be faithful to your brothers in arms. Always be faithful. Always be ready to do whatever is necessary that accomplishes the goal of the Marine Corps. You know, as Christians, we are called to be always faithful. Always. We're not to be situationally faithful. We're to, we're to be faithful all the time. In an unchanging God, in a loving God, in a loving Father, we're to always have our faith grounded in Him. Uh, Charles, I mean, yeah, Charles Spurgeon, he was called the Prince of, of Preachers in England back in the 1800s. This guy, had, they, they have volumes of books just of his sermons, and he was a very eloquent speaker, uh, kind of, you know, in English at that time, and, and uh, he even smoked a pipe. I don't know if he smoked it while he was preaching. That'd be kind of cool, you know. Hey, so anyway, I'll tell you what Jesus said. Um, but, you know, this guy was a, an awesome preacher, man, and, and, and was a very... A key figure 
and seeing thousands of people get saved in England. But you know, in his ministry, he had like several thousand people in a building and it burnt down and many people died at a church service. How do you go on from something like that? And he said that he, and he, and he admittedly, he said he suffered from depression, you know, for the rest of his life and struggling with that, but he never quit believing in God and he never quit in his faith and he continued delivering eloquently the word of God. You know, I mean, that's a testament. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, the old hymns that we love and cherish were wrote in some pretty hard times. It is well with my soul was wrote by a man over the spot where the week before his family sank and died in the ocean. And he says, it is well with my soul. I still trust you, God. You know, that, that's hard. You know, how do you do something like that? Can you just like, is it, is it an act of just the sheer will? I'm going to do this. It's grace. But, but even more so, it, it's, it's got to be love. If love is not the guiding principle of why you obey the Lord, then you're turning into just sheer legalism. You know, to obey the Lord without love is legalism. And that's where a lot of us begin our journey. And that is the whole, that is the whole problem that God continuously spoke to Israel. He says, in Isaiah, he says, you, you he says, you worship me with your lips, he says, but your heart is far from me. And God, this is what God wants us to know is that for something to be effective and something to be valuable, it has to be done with love. Paul says that I can prophesy, I can do all things. He says, but if I have not love, I am worthless. God says that giving isn't what's important, but giving with a cheerful heart is what's important. It's the heart behind what we do that makes it effective and makes it life-changing for us and the people around us. It is love that really matters. And, and man, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let, let me, let me, let's, go, let's go to Romans 16. Charles Spurgeon said this. He says, faith is... Did I even say what Charles said? No, never did. Just got to talk about Charles. But faith is the fountain. It's the foundation and the fosterer of obedience. In other words, it's the beginning of obedience. It's the reason why we obey. It's the structure in why we obey, and it also it fosters our obedience. It's a, it's so faith, and here's the thing, God is the source of all these things. But Romans 16, uh, 25 says this, it says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you, listen to that, who's strengthening who? God is strengthening us, alright? According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Now hold on to that. According to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. You know that Jesus was a mystery? Peter says that the angels longed into how the heck God was going to save mankind. They didn't even know. They were wondering. And through Jesus, God created his church, which here we are gathered today. And, and the church was a mysterious plan to manifest God's manifold wisdom to the princes and the rulers of, of, of the world. And so... It says, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of an eternal God. You see, God's, God's mysterious plan wasn't just to, to stab, establish salvation for the Jews. He wanted to do it for who also? Gentiles. 
That would cover all of us unless you're of Jewish descent. I mean, we, God wanted to, God sent His Son so that the whole world may be saved. For God so loved the world. Amen? That that the whole world, that was God's intent. And and I told you the other day that God, when, when God, when God offered His Son, His only begotten Son, that He actually offered Him in faith that some of us would believe. In, in the name of His Son for salvation. It says, But it's been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. It says, To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. So we see here, though, that, that God is able to strengthen us through the gospel and the preaching of Jesus, which are pretty much the same thing, so that we can obey Him in faith. So God is actually doing something that enables us to obey Him. You know, the, the, God says that in the last days I will write the law, my, my commandments on, on their minds and on their hearts. He said because there was a problem. The Bible talks about the old covenant couldn't really do anything to change the person on the inside. It could, only, it could only give them a to-do list of things to do, but it couldn't change the person on the inside. But under the new covenant, the Bible says that when we are born again at salvation, that now we have the, the Word of God in our hearts and in our minds, and that He brings to life the Spirit within us, amen, to do what He's called us to do. You know, it says we're, all, we're, we're, we're new creations. Old things are passed away. All things become new. And, and you read Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God. And, he's, and he continues on to say that, that even the good works that we do are what he does through us. We're hit, we're, we, are, we are his workmanship through Jesus Christ. Amen? And so, so a lot of people, first off, the, the initial reason that some people can't obey God is because they're not born again and they have no relationship with God. They, don't, they can't see God because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but through Jesus. And without Jesus, not just knowing who Jesus is, but without Jesus knowing you, then you can't have fellowship with the Father. And if there's no fellowship with the Father, then the love of the Father is not in you. And that's why it's such a struggle to do what you ought to do. Matter of fact, it's why it's impossible. It's impossible to do it with the attitude that God has called us to do it, and that is love. How many of you hate it when somebody says, you don't love me when you have done everything that proves otherwise? But you know what's worse than that? When you're accused of not loving and you know that there's no reason why they should believe anything other than that. It hurts worse when somebody accuses you of being unloving when you know you haven't done anything to prove that you love them. Hurts. I was reading the scriptures, and man, this is a popular scripture, and we really don't like reading it because it's hard. It says in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It doesn't say keep my commandments and you will love me. It says if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Dang. You see, when we say, you know, we ought to do these things, we say, well, that's just legalism. And you know what? 
I'll be, you're absolutely right. If you can't do it out of love, it's absolutely legalism. There's really no point in you doing it. But what Jesus is saying in his word is this, is that when you act in a way that is contrary to what I've asked you to do, it's proving whether you love me or not. It's proving what's really in your heart. You see, under the old covenant, man, it, the old covenant in one way was easy because you could hide behind it. Everybody looked exactly the same. I bring, my, I bring my animals to the priest, let him cut his throat, let him sacrifice and all that, and then I just go about my business. But see, under grace, it's a, you know, Jesus, Jesus said, the old, the, the, old, the old covenant said, the old law said, um, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery. And, but Jesus now says that if you look upon another man's wife and lust, you, you might as well have committed adultery with her. But you see what grace has done, grace, grace has revealed the hearts of men. Grace is, grace, grace is a revealer. Grace pulls away the mask and grace says, hey, these are, these are my disciples. Jesus says, love one another so that it's proof to the world that you are my disciples. Love is so important. Love is so important. And it's really easy when, when the Scripture says this is what we ought to do. And first off, we need to know what the Scripture says we ought to do and not to do. We don't, we don't go to man to say, well, man, what do you think ought to do? There's things that I do that man says you shouldn't do where the Scripture says it's totally fine. On the other hand, there's things that the Scripture says don't do, but man says, oh, do it all you want. You see, we should be anchored in the truth of the Word of God to know what love is. So that we're educated like Forrest Gump. I don't know very much, but I know what love is. We need to know what love looks like. Love, if you just ask people, what is love? And they say, well, it's just being really nice all the time. No, it's not. Kindness is a part of love, but that's not all love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is, is, is not self-serving. Love is very selfless. Love is very sacrificial. And here's the thing, when you love something, you'll sacrifice for it. When you love something, you'll endure. When, you're, when you love something, you won't walk away from it. When you love something, you'll be committed to it. And you don't, really, you don't even really need to have a to-do list of why. Or, or you, don't, you don't have to have a what list, you just do it because of the why, because of the affections of your heart. And see, so, so obedience is, is really a heart thing. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Dang, the obedience is a result of the love. But he goes on to say, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forevermore. You see, so once again, he doesn't leave it on us. He says, I'm going to make this possible for you. But here's another thing. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. So going back to Romans 16, what gives us the strength to obey the faith, to walk in faith, to obey. Paul said it is the gospel and the preaching of Christ that gives us the strength to do this. The strength of that is that, is that we love him because he first loved us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What, what greater love is that? You see, we're not, we're, not the, we're not even the initiator of love. We're not the origin of love. We're not the fountain, the foundation or the, 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 the um, oh, what's that word he used? 
the fosterer. I was going to say forester, but that's not the right word. The foster of, you know, God is, God is the source. He is the foundation. He is everything that we need. But all he simply wants us to do is love him. But here's the thing. The world comes in. The flesh. Always contending for the affections of mankind. You know, that's why, the, that's why John, John Calvin says that the heart is an idol factory. You know what, what an idol means is that I love it. It's like precious on the Lord of the Rings. I love it. I want it. Uh, I adore it. I mean, Gollum, man, that dude was absolute crazy about that ring. He was so crazy about it, he couldn't even be happy when he had it. He was, he was deranged. He was crazy. And, you know, and, and it, it transformed him, but not in a way that was good. It transformed him in an evil way because it was an evil thing. It wasn't a godly thing. But here's the thing. God wants to transform us through love and with love and by love so that we can become more like him. But here's the thing. We, we have to quit trying to appease him in legalism and in works, and we need to begin to try to please him out of just a sheer love of our heart. How do, you get to, how do you know that? How do you do that? You know, we were talking about worship this week, and everybody knows the way to worship, right? The Bible says, in the last days I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen. And we know that, you know, according to the Bible, worship is love expressed. When we come corporately or even individually, we are to express our love to God and, and expect love in return. But the thing is, is it's relational, and, and, but the problem is, is you can come in here and lift your hands and shout and clap and dance and all those things, but if you're just doing them as a to-do list, you're still missing the point, and you're still missing the interaction that's actually going to change you. You see, it's God that changes you. You can't bootstrap your way through this. You can't, you can't I don't know anybody that's disciplined enough to change themselves to the likeness of Christ without a relationship with Christ. And I'm talking about even, you know, even once, even once you become, Paul rebukes the church in, in Galatians. Uh, he said, because, he says, what, did you get saved by works? He says, and now, he said, you, what, did you get saved by grace, and now you're going to continue on with works? He says, no, you still need Jesus the same day you needed him when you actually became a child of God to continue to work in you and through you and change your life. Amen? But John two, 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Man, these are definite statements here. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God, does the will of God, obeys, Abides forever. But, but you have to understand that the obedience is a result of a loving relationship with God. It's not, it, we don't, we don't it's, it's the fruit. Once again, going back to Ephesians, we're not by no works so that no man can boast. We are God's workmanship for good works. What are good works? They're the things that actually God asks us to do. Not dead works that we do trying to, you know, get to heaven on our own accord. No, it's, it's the fruit of a relationship with God. 
And here's the thing. This is why God doesn't want us to love the world because you can only place so many things first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. When we have, you can't, you can't have 20 first. You can only have one first. And, and the thing is, is that the reason why the danger of the love of the world is there is because it is competing for the affections of God. And the thing is, is when we love the world more than God, it reveals where our hearts are. It's the, it's the, it's the acid test. It's the, it's the results of our exam. It shows us where we are. It shows us what we love, what we cherish, where we put our faith, and it shows us the condition of our heart. But it's real easy to say, oh, that's just legalism. No, I just read you through the Scripture. God wants your love. God wants your love. You know, there's a song, it's uh, by the Marshall Tucker Band. How many Marshall Tucker Band fans we have here? I know Brad would like Marshall Tucker Band. But there's a song that says, in my own way, I love you. In my own way, I need you. And every time that song comes on, I'm saying, there's our song, baby. I look at Christy because, you know, I tell her, you know, I love you in my own way. Don't be putting no things on me that tell me if I love you or not. But the reality of it is, is, you know, she's right. You know, it says, because his big deal is, one of the lines in the song is, I can't act like we just met all the time, you know. Yeah, it's a beautiful song, though, the music and all that stuff, but, you know, it ain't really fly with all the ladies. It's one of them songs you want to listen to, the, you don't want to listen to the lyrics because it'll, it'll lead you astray. <laughs> but, he, but he's saying, look, woman, I love you, all right? I feed you, I go to work, take care of you, and, you know, we had one awesome date when we first met. Quit expecting life to be a date every time, all right? And all the men love that song, like, that's me. <laughs> yeah, woman, I love you. I ain't got to prove nothing. I proved it enough. But every night we go to bed, Christy said, points expire at midnight. <laughs> and, and, and here's the deal, here's the deal with God. You know, if, if, you're a, if, if you're a believer, of course you've loved him, and of course you've expressed love to him. But, but, we, but, but the deal is, is, is the Bible says we die daily, and his mercies are, are new every day. Every day is a new day. Every day is a new expression of love to him and reception of love from him. And, and, and if, but, but what I'm telling you is, is if, you want to, if you want to be an obedient believer, which the Bible is, is his desire in Romans there, it says that's what he wants to do. He wants to produce people who are obedient to the faith. And, the, and that means in every way. I mean, because think, to, to believe in God means I believe God. I believe, I believe in what he thinks, what he says, how he feels, what he expects. You know, I, I accept him wholly. And everything about him. But if, if we try to, to serve him in a, in a works way, then it's just it's miserable. And what we need to do is learn to love him. But here's the thing. If, if, of course, if first off, if you're born again, there's, there's love in you. We love him because he first loved us. But obviously, we can still be transformed. We can still grow we can still learn to love even more first second corinthians chapter three listen to this this is you know i told you that god's whole big deal with israel is that they 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 just didn't love him and they were constantly man i mean it didn't take something big could happen 
There could be a big moment of repentance and it wasn't long. The Astroff poles were going back up. The temples of Baal were going back up. They were, they were uh, committing adultery. They were, you know, and, and God, God called their unfaithfulness to him adultery. That's what God, you know, the Bible calls the, the church the bride of Christ. And, and when we step outside of, of God's desire for us, it is, it's adultery. We're cheating on our spouse, God. And I know that's, that's hard for some of you guys to wrap your heads around, you know, but, but I, you know, we can't limit ourselves to, you know, but the thing is, is God, and, and marriage between a man and a woman is a picture of the relationship with Jesus and his church. And Jesus said, man, I, I, I gave my life for the church. Why? Because he loves us. And we have, to see, we have to see the scriptures as God's word to us, his love to us, his gospel to us. You know, the gospel is the good news. You were lost, you were going to hell, but I loved you anyway, and I sent my son, and, and anyone who believes upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. And also be imputed the righteousness of God, and also be, be, be able to love as God. And God says that if you say you hate your brother, but you love me, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Because that, that's why this corporate thing we do at church is so important because you can't say you love God, but you hate everybody in church and don't have nothing to do with them. It, it's all the same thing. It, it is all one thing. It, a relationship with God is a relationship with his people. And the relationship with his people is the context which we display the content of God's heart. It's where we love one another. Even when it's hard. And it's hard often. It is. Church is not without its problems, but it's those problems that give us the opportunity to obey the word of God. Like the disciples, you know, told Jesus, well, give us the faith to forgive more than once. And he, he said, you don't need faith. You just need to do what you're told. You need to obey me. Because if you obey me, then it's going to work the way it ought to. And you shouldn't be so arrogant to think that you shouldn't maybe need to ask for repentance twice in one day yourself. But 2 Corinthians 3, 14 through 18, it, it contrasts the Old Testament and the New Testament. It says this in 14, it says, But their minds were hardened, talking about the children of Israel. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that veil remains unlifted. It said there's a veil. Now, you know in the, in the Old Tabernacle, there was a veil to the, the, the holiest of holies, and, and only the, the chief priest could go back there once a year. The people had to stand outside, you know, away from it, you know, around in the courtyard, and, 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 and kind of they distantly related to God with a veil in, in between them. And if they went into that presence, they died because he was holy. It says, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, do you get that? But when one turns to the Lord, when one is born again, when one becomes a Christian, not in a worldly terms, but in a biblical terms, when you have repented and believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit has given you a new, regenerated heart. You see, some of us, you know, we were talking, Dad and I were talking yesterday, some of you have hearts, but they're, they're called church-hardened. 
You've been in church all your life, and you've heard the word, and you've heard the word, and you've heard it, but you've never been born again. And it actually creates a hardening effect here because there's a veil. You can't see the word for what it's meant to express, and that's the love of God to mankind. And that's why you have a hard time expressing your love to a God that you don't understand because you don't have the heart to do so. It says, but when one turns to the Lord, listen, the veil is removed. The veil is removed. There's no longer a veil between us and God because, you know, there was a veil in the tabernacle that separated man from God. Uh, we know that when Jesus died that that veil was rent from top to bottom. It was very thick. It was a miraculous thing. Amen? Jesus removed the veil between God and the people that who through Jesus... The way, the truth, and the life would be restored back to the Father. Now I can comprehend what God is trying to say, and I can understand it with love, with a new spirit, with new eyes and a new heart, that the law of God is written upon. Amen? You see, the Bible says, the natural-minded man discerneth not the things of God. That's what that's talking about here. You can't because there's a veil. There's a hardened heart. There's a hardened mind, and God wants to transform those things so that you can have a loving relationship with Him. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Talking about the Holy Spirit, right? The triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. Not bondage. But freedom. You see, when we look through the when we look through the word through legalistic, unloving, or even lost ways, we see bondage, and we see, we see. Uh, uh, now, now, some now, man has put bondage on top of the Bible that God didn't mean to be. Okay, that's what I'm saying. We go to the Bible as the source of how we should respond in love, but it needs to be of love. Well, the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So, so there is still a continual changing that God wants to do in our lives so that we can get how much He loves us. Because there is not one person in here fully understands the love of God. There's not one person in here who's had a revelation so great that there is not another level of God's love that He can show to you, that He can manifest to you. And, you've, and you have not been so full of love to God that you can't be transformed even more. But transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And, and so what I'm going to tell you, this is obedience comes from a loving relationship with God. A loving relationship. And you know what? You can know the, the you can know the okay, we're gonna come into worship, we're gonna sing some songs, and we're gonna do all this stuff. But until you get it that that this has to that worship is an expression of love, not a not a to-do list. The thing of it is, is it's not it's not obeying that that changes us, it's encountering God that changes us that leads us to obedience. It's only God. God changes us. You can't change yourself. 
And it, you know what? And it, 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 this will change the way you read your Bible. It'll change the reason you come to church. It'll change the reason of everything. Making sure that you're on the right side of looking, the right attitude of when I read the Bible, it's not for me to just, what do I do now? It's God, who are you? And who do you want me to be in this loving relationship? And when we come into the when we come into church, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. He wants to be praised out of love, so that He can show up, so that He can transform, so that He can show I love you this much, and that you can say, "Man, I am growing in my love for my Lord and my Savior, and the people of God, and the lost people that need to know Him as well." Amen. That's what's going to change us. That's what's going to change us. But if we look at the Bible as just a, well, God wants me to do this and that, if we begrudgingly obey God, then we're no better than the children of Israel. And you know what? A slave, a slave is nothing but someone who is shackled in chains and driven by a whip, and that's not what God's desire is for us. God wants us to obey in faith out of love for Him. But here's the reality. We go back to the world and it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What he's saying here is this, is not, don't hate the world. Or we're, we're, we're to hate the sin of the world. The Bible says that the, the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It also says that the beginning of wisdom is hatred of evil. Hate it. But what it is, is we can't, we cannot, listen, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. What have you asked me to do? You know, Jesus said that the, the law can be hung on two commandments. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. It keep, everything keeps going back to love. But when our affections point to the world, it's showing where our heart is. It's, it's the readout. It's the printout. It's the doctor's results. And so the, so the deal is, is just, just remediating the problem by physical discipline ain't, ain't enough. It's being exposed to the Father and being transformed by His love. That's the only thing, that's, that's what you need. We can't live this life of distant relations with God through just His Word. We have to have an in-His-face transformative relationship because that's where we are changed and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the spirit the spirit that Jesus said I will leave you with a helper he says if you love me you'll keep my commandments and I'll give you a helper who will make sure that you're doing this for the right reasons. And to teach you what to do. Where are your affections right now? You know what? I love fried backstrap. Amen. I love jabbing an arrow through a deer's lungs. I'm just going to be honest. I'm not going to try to make it sweet. I'm not just... I love, 
I love, man, I love the feel of a speckled trout on the end of a line. Especially if I get one before Dad does. Because if I don't, I'm going to be... No, some days I do because if he catches the first one, that means I'll spend the first 30 minutes netting and not catching. But you know what? As an act of love, I net his dang fish. But as an act of wisdom, I have my pole ready before him the next time. How many of you... How many of you have convictions about where your love resides? What ways are you choosing the world over God? Because we look at it, oh, I failed to do my to-do list today. No, it's really greater than that. You, you failed to love God. Because of your affections. And here's the thing. Until, until we repent and recalibrate. We're, we're not allowing God to change us. We get stuck in a rut. And, and, use, and really it's, the only one that can get us out of a rut is the Holy Spirit. He's got the four wheel drive. He's got the, the, the tow package and the vehicle recovery gear and all that you know we try to do it ourselves. we're like well I'm gonna I'm gonna just conform no God doesn't want us to conform he wants us to transform and you can only transform by the love of an unveiled relationship with God that's it that's the only way God put it God God's put us in a place where we can't take any credit for anything. He, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore. You know, Matthew says that we're to, um, as Christians, we're to operate in good works to give God glory. That we're to shine our lights, right? Shine a light through good works to give God glory. I didn't quote that 100% accurate, but I mean, you got the gist of it. But, but the good works are the result of a, of a loving relationship with God. They're out of a pure desire to please God, not appease Him. You see, when we do things because we have to, we're appeasing but when we do things because we want to, because it's our hearts, it means we're doing it to please. And that's what love is. I love you. I'm willing to sacrifice for you. I'm willing to express that to you. And you know what? If you can't, if you can't express yourself to God, He can't express Himself to you, and he can't, he can't transform you. And the shame is, if you're a believer, there's no veil in the way. It's not, it's not the fault of the veil. But the world comes in, and, it, and man, it pulls our desires away. It pulls our affections away. And God says, don't love the world. What is he, a killjoy? He don't want us to have no fun? No, he doesn't want to lose our affection. You know, and the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ strengthens us 
to obey. Because as we read the gospel and we hear Jesus, we know that, man, God loves me. You know that when you're in worship, if you come in here and hear songs and sing songs and you feel good, that's great. But that's really not the end result. The end result is this, is that you should be overwhelmed, overwhelmed by how much God loves you. Why? Because if, if, you, don't, if you don't consistently get overwhelmed by God, you're not going to be transformed. You're going to be left to your own means and your own devices. And you know what? Most of the time that's going to fail because you're not strong enough. That drives us even to a more dependent faith relationship in God. It says, God, I need you. That means that when we come to church, we should be like that woman with the issue of saying, God, if I do not encounter you today, I will be no different until next Sunday. If I don't encounter you today. But here's the thing. The encounter isn't just for now. This, this is where we all come to encounter God together, but God wants to encounter us daily. But you know what? We're jacked up people, and we need the encouragement of one another. We need the support of one another. That's why corporate worship is so important. That's why Paul says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves, as some are doing, because we need each other. He says, encourage one another even more until the end of time. We, we need each other. And it's in that context where we learn to love God and love people and let him manifest himself to us and transform us. So bow your head and close your eyes and let me ask you this question. How many of you know that you have affections that God wants to take away and replace with his affections? If that's you, just lift your hands. Amen? What's your plan of action? 21-day challenge, kicking the flesh's butt. Is there a supplement you can take? Does Advocare have a flesh-killing pill? Are you going to read the whole Bible in 10 days? Are you going to whip yourself with a cat of nine tails? Nope. There's only one thing you can do. And say, Lord, forgive me and help me to love you the way you desire. Help me love people the way you desire. And let your flesh die on a daily basis and let the love of Christ grow in you. So if that's you, I mean, here's the deal. We, we come to God and say, God, transform our hearts. And many of us raised our hands saying, I need my heart transformed. It's okay. He said it's an ongoing process, amen? This isn't a one-time deal. It's an ongoing thing. But you know what? As long as you submit to the transformation, as long as you continue to, to pull your heart back to God, continue to put, keep Him in first, he'll, he'll transform you and change your life and make things as they should be. So here's what I want you to do. We're just going to take a short, brief moment. But if, if, if that's on your heart, they come today and leave it on the altar and say, Lord, I want to lay this down and I want to pick what you want me to have up. Lord, alter the affections of my heart back to you, away from the things of the world. So as everyone stands and Sharisa just leads us in a word of song, if that's you, just come. Come today and say, Lord, transform my heart. Transform my affections. Make me the man. Make me the woman. 
that you want me to be.